We conclude our sermon series on the book of Daniel this morning entitled The Ancient of Days. We've been looking at one chapter for Sunday and now we reach the final chapter of the book of Daniel, chapter 12, the last of Daniel's visions. Daniel chapter 12 is one of the most misinterpreted passages in all the Bible. Some of you probably remember the name David Koresh. Late in the 1980s, he was the leader of a sect of Seventh-day Adventists called the Branch Davidians. He set up a compound called the Mount Carmel Compound outside of Waco, just off of Farnham Market Road 2491 east of Waco there. And in the early 1990s, David Koresh, uh, there were reports of child sexual abuse. Uh, he felt like all of the women were his in the compound, whether they were married or not. He began stockpiling weapons, and in February of 1993, David Koresh resisted authorities as they went out to arrest him. Uh, he fired upon ATF agents, killed four of them, and a 51-day standoff was on. Ended with Koresh being shot and killed and others tragically dying as the compound burned to the ground. I know many of you remember that. As a part of the negotiations that went on for 51 days there at the compound, Koresh wanted his teachings broadcast on the media. And the authorities agreed to do that. They agreed to broadcast on KRLD radio here in Dallas, David Koresh's teachings. And his teachings were centralized in the 12th chapter of Daniel. Our passage this morning we're going to look at was one of the ones that David Koresh saw as himself being a fulfillment of. Koresh said that he was the only one who could interpret scripture, nobody else. He also said that uh, he was the new David of the Old Testament, that whatever he did was God's will. He did not sin. Every action of his was the will of God. He stated that he was the Lamb of God from Revelation and that he is the new Jesus Christ. All coming from Daniel chapter 12. Well, obviously David Koresh's teaching from this chapter was incorrect, but what is the correct teaching and what does this chapter mean? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Read with me chapter 12 verses 1 through 4. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen. There was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, 
Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This morning, I want us to look at the final chapter of of the book of Daniel, and I want us to see what exactly takes place at the end of the world, and how do we interpret this passage in light of today. First of all, letter A on your outline, let's look at verses 1 through 4, details of the end. Details of the end. Now, first of all, the first detail we're told from verse 1 is the end of the world is going to be a time of great trouble. A time of great trouble. Now, let's backtrack just for a moment, go back to the last time I, I preached from Daniel chapter 11, two Sundays ago. Go back to what Daniel saw in the vision of Daniel 11. He saw a vision of two events that would happen in the future. One would be fulfilled by a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, and one later by who's called the Antichrist. Now, go back to Antiochus. You remember his story. Daniel predicted that around 170 B.C., and sure enough it happened about 350 years after Daniel prophesied this, a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes rose to power. He was a king of Greece. About that time, he began having battles with other nations around, and the Romans came against him. Antiochus hated the Jews the passion. And he would look at Jerusalem and see Jerusalem, and he would send troops in, and he would ransack the city of Jerusalem and all of Israel every time he got a chance. One particular day, he had lost the battle of the Romans, and he was angry. He was frustrated that he had lost a battle. So he gathered 20,000 of his troops, headed for Jerusalem, going to take it out on the Jews. So he headed to Jerusalem, began to ransack the city, went into God's temple, went into the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. No Jew could go in. It was so holy. It was so revered. Only one Jew could go in. One day a year, the great high priest, no one else. It was always off limits. Well, Antiochus marched right into the Holy of Holies and began to overturn everything and take God's presence and destroy it. He set up a, t a statue of the god he worshipped, Zeus. So you have Zeus there, a false god, right where the presence of the holy god was supposed to be. And then he sacrificed a pig right beside Zeus. Pigs were unclean. Pigs were, were uh, considered, uh, uh, as I mentioned, unclean and, and not a part of who God would have to be brought into, into his presence. And so to, to further denigrate the Jews, he sacrificed a pig beside the altar of Zeus. And he, at that time, commanded all the Israelites, if you come to the temple, you cannot worship Yahweh. You must bring a pig and worship Zeus. And so Jews, one by one, began to do it. Otherwise, they'd be killed. And you know the story, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, how one old priest that had enough, he watched this happen for a while, but a priest named Mattathias in the little town of Modain outside of Jerusalem saw it happening and couldn't take it anymore. And when a Jew was bringing a pig up to God's presence, he killed him and killed the Greek guard that was with him. 
And the battle was on. And as you know, the story ended with the Maccabean revolt of seven years. The Jews held off the Greeks as they came against them. And finally, Antiochus died. His brother took over. He did not hate the Jews, created a pact with them, and allowed them once again to go back in, cleanse the temple, reset everything up again, began to worship Yahweh again. And the Jews were so happy they could do that they celebrated a feast that we know as Hanukkah today. And all of that story happens. Daniel told that in chapter 11. And then Daniel saw a vision and said, at the end times when the world is just about to end, that will all happen again. There will be a new Antiochus Epiphanes come in and he will do that all over again and his name will be the Antichrist. So, let's look at the Antichrist and see what happens. First of all, as we said, there's going to be a time of great trouble. The end is going to be characterized by bad things happening. And here's how it began. Daniel said, I was looking into heaven and I saw this vision and I saw Michael the archangel get up. He had been seated, but he got up and he walked over and he, he began to watch because the end's about to happen. Why Michael? If you read through Scripture, Michael was the one who watched over Israel, God's people. That's what we're told in verse 1. And so Michael got up and said, the time is about to happen. I'm going to guard my people Israel. And so if you want to know what's going to happen on the end, in the end times, keep an eye on Israel. They're key to the end. In fact, one theologian said, God's timepiece for the end is the nation of Israel. So keep your eye on Israel. Notice who is for Israel and who's against Israel. Notice what nations are for them and what nations are against them. Notice what kings are for Israel and what kings aren't. Notice what politicians among our nation are for Israel and those that are not. And you'll get a key. It's about Israel. And so Michael got up. It's time. I'm the keeper of Israel. And he gets up and he begins to watch. Daniel said, I saw Michael get up in heaven and walk over starting to look. And I saw a time of trouble such as never has been before. The Bible tells us there will be a seven-year tribulation. Three and a half years are described in Revelation. And now we get to the last three and a half years. Those of you who have joined me on Wednesday nights, for our Bible study in Revelation, you notice we've gotten to the point now where we're through the first three and a half years of the seven years. And so far, in the first three and a half years, bad things have happened. We have meteors hitting the earth. Where they are destroying water. They're destroying fresh water supplies. People will, will lack for water upon the earth. Uh, it destroys the food chain. The food will be destroyed. Um, the, we've talked about the key to the abyss is unlocked. There's a a super maximum security prison 
that only demons are in in hell called the abyss. We talked about this on Wednesday night Revelation. They are let loose uh, to afflict humanity. One third of humanity will die. This is all the first three and a half years. Now we get to the last three and a half years. And Daniel said it's going to be a time of great trouble. And he gives us a clue as to how bad it will be by the word he uses for trouble. It's the word in Hebrew, Sarah. We would say Sarah, S-A-R-A. It's Sarah. In the Greek transliteration of it from the Septuagint, it's the word philipsis, and it literally means to squeeze or to press until life is gone. They used it whenever they squeezed grapes to make juice or wine. They used it whenever they squeezed olives to get the olive oil. They squeezed it until the olive or the grape was gone and nothing but the juice was left. In England, they used the word thalipsis, same word we use, the thalipsis process, when someone was accused of a crime and everybody thought they did it but they wouldn't confess they put them through what was called the thalipsis process. They laid them down straight and they would put heavy weights upon their chest. And they would add the weight, add the weight until they confessed. If they didn't confess, they would keep adding the weights until life was taken out of their chest and they were killed. And that's what's described as the last three and a half years the tribulation folks it will be a time of pressing of squeezing of horror a time whenever we look at what all that's going on and it's a time of being shocked and being appalled at what happens it's the last times This last week, we were shocked whenever we heard about the events that unfolded at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. It's horrible. It bothered us. Bothered us so much we want to do something about it. But Daniel said in the end times, those occurrences will be common. Take place a lot. It's not going to be unusual. It's going to be horrific. A lot of people today tend to think, you know, let's, let's fix every evil in the world. If we fix this and we pass a law here and pass a law there, we'll, we'll create a utopia. No, we won't. The problem is the human heart and it will control the end times. The last days will be a threshing and a pressing and the human heart will cause horror. These occurrences will be common. And here's the second aspect of the end times. Number two, the importance of being written in the book. Did you notice what Daniel saw next? Daniel looked, he saw this vision, Michael got up, he's ready, and he saw a time upon the earth that's horrific, and immediately after he said that, and then I saw God's people delivered, every name written in the book was delivered. What book? Eight times in the Bible, 
Salvation is referred to as the book of life. It's having your name written in the book of life. Notice he didn't say, and everyone that went to church was delivered. Everybody that tried to be good is delivered. He says, no, no, those whose names are in the book, a symbol for a transformed life, they're delivered. Folks, I'm not so naive as to think that every Sunday sitting out there as I preach, there are people sitting out in church listening to me, listening to me online whose names are not in the book of life. You come to church, your name's on our church roll, you're a member of our church. There's never been a transformation in your heart. You know, years ago, whenever I was a boy, in fact, we, we would have the invitation and the pastor would stand up and, and if you walk forward to receive Jesus, they had you come up and they gave you a card and you sat on the front pew and they signed it and then they seated everybody and you got up there and he announced who your name was and everybody at the end of the service came by and gave you the right hand of fellowship. You didn't pray, you didn't pray to anybody. You just could walk up and signed a card. That was common. And I'm, I'm sure we have those here this morning, you walked up and signed a card and joined the church. There was never a transformation to take place. Your name's not in the book of life. Don't, don't fool yourself this morning, folks. Be very sure. Because what Daniel saw was not people that go to church, not church members. He saw those whose names are in the book. They were delivered. Nobody else. So make sure this morning, you're not one of those that just came up here and start attending. You know, you can go to church and attend for so long, people think you're saved. If you come to our church, if this is your first Sunday here, if you show up every Sunday for three months, I promise you, everybody will think you're part of us. You didn't pray to anybody. So make sure you don't just go to church. There's been a transformation of your life. And Daniel looked and he saw the transformed being delivered. And then he saw something else. The third thing, he saw that everybody at the end of all of this is alive in eternity somewhere. Number three on your outline, everyone is in eternity somewhere notice what he said he said I looked and I saw those that were asleep in the dirt in the dust some raised up and went to life and some raised up and went to contempt and they were both there you know there's a lot of people that believe in our world today that once you die if you're good you go to heaven but if you're if you're bad you, you just sleep you can go anywhere, you just stay there. Three-fourths of Americans' latest research believe in heaven, but less than half believe in hell. So a lot of Americans believe heaven for good people, but nothing for everybody else. That's not what Scripture teaches. The Bible teaches is, it teaches very clearly that some rise and go to life, and some at the end rise and go to contempt. And he uses the word Hebrew word derion to describe contempt. It literally means an object of abhorrence. 
So everybody's going to live somewhere, either heaven or hell, everybody will live somewhere after it's over. It's what Daniel saw. And then number four, the last one, he said, I saw the wise ones. Wait, wait a minute. Who? The wise ones. Who are the wise ones? Well, he, certain, he said in verse 3, And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sky at night. He didn't say those who are righteous or those who are good or those who are obedient. He said those who are wise shine. What did he mean? Well, as Daniel's looking at the end days, he sees the darkest time in human history and he sees then believers who are wise to the times, wise at what's going on, and they don't lose their influence. They keep their light, and they shine like a dark sky at night, and the stars come out, and all of a sudden the brightness starts to illuminate the darkness because they're wise. They're wise. They realize what's going on around us. So when bad things happen, they don't jump in and get into a political debate. They're wise. You see what happens now, so many believers, something happens and, and lost people attack and, and save people. Man, we just jump in and attack right back. No, 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 hold, hold up, hold, be wise. Be wise and hold your light and shine your light bright in the darkness. Don't jump in and roll around in the darkness with them. Be wise. I saw the wise ones shining bright. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's not a kid's song. That's your instructions for the end times. You let the light of Christ shine through you and you be wise. Don't be drawn in and sucked in by all the darkness and you fight back. Be wise. And shine because he said whenever you do, you will turn many to righteousness. They'll be saved because of you. And then the angel said something interesting to Daniel. But you, Daniel, take all the words I've given you and seal them up and shut them up. And don't talk about them. What? I, but pastor, I want to know all those details of the end. So did Daniel. We have people today, man, they, they're so into prophecy. Oh, my goodness. In fact, you go to Mardell, biggest section they have is prophecy. 
Everybody wants to know when's it going to happen, what's going to take place. And you have a whole big section. And Daniel wanted to know as much as you want to know. And the angel said, seal it up, Daniel. At the end time, it'll be revealed. But in the meantime, you just be faithful. And so he sealed it up in Revelation 4. We talk about on Wednesday night, fourth chapter of Revelation, Jesus walked over and took the scroll and unbroke the seals and it all began to happen. Daniel sealed it up. Jesus unsealed it. And then the angel said one more thing. Daniel, after it's all sealed up, one more thing about the end times. It's going to be a time where people run to and fro looking, trying to get knowledge, trying to get knowledge, but never knowing the truth. Is that our culture or what? We are a culture saturated with the internet and information, knowledge, but we are a culture who doesn't know truth, but we know a lot of stuff. The end times, knowledge will increase. People will run everywhere trying to get knowledge. And look at the internet. In 2014, there were one billion websites. One billion. It's 2014. And I read the other day how much information is being stored on the internet every day. And here's what they said. If you take a quarter... And you place it somewhere in the state of Texas. And you get another quarter and place it beside it. And you cover the entire state of Texas with quarters. And then you do that again. And you do that again. You do it 1,900 times. Every one of those would be one piece of information. And 1,900 of those is how much is being added to the Internet every day. Knowledge everywhere, but we don't know truth. Wow. And that's going to be a characteristic of the end time. We're there. We're there. So Daniel had one more question. Letter B on your outline, verses 5 to 13. How long? How long until this happens? He said, I looked up and he saw two angels. One standing on one of the banks of the Tigris River and the other standing on the other bank of the Tigris River. And then a third angel came and straddled both banks of the river. And he's straddling the Tigris River and he has a linen cloth about him. And he said, as I looked, one of the angels turned to the third angel straddling the river and he said, how long? How long before this happens? And the angel straddling the river held up both hands. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean in a court of law when we hold up one hand? It means you're telling the truth. We swear to tell the truth, right? In the book of Revelation, we saw a couple of Wednesdays ago, we saw that one of the angels held up his right hand to testify that what he's going to say is true. 
And so now we have an angel holding up both hands, the highest degree of certainty of truth you can get. Both hands. And he said, how long? And he said, a time and times and half a time it will happen. A time, times, and half a time. Time, times, it's three and a half years. That's three and a half, the word year there I mean, could mean a day, could mean a year, could mean a season. Three and a half seasons will happen. And so how's all this going to take place? And Daniel looked up and said, time, times, and half a time out. How's, how's this going to happen? And the angel said, Daniel, go your way. These words are sealed. You don't have everything you want to know, but you have everything you need to know. Oh, and one more thing, Daniel, before you go. And he looked, yeah, yes. And the angel said, and Daniel, from this time forth and forevermore, the daily sacrifices are banished from the temple to the desecration set up in the temple. There will be 1,290 days. And blessed is the person who is patient for 1,335 days. And the angel left and the vision's over. And Daniel went, wait, wait, hold, wait, hold on, wait a second, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? The sacrifices will be banished from the temple, the desecration will be set up, what does that sound like, Antiochus, yeah, it will be 1,290 seasons, and then blessed is the person who's patient for 1,335 seasons. I don't get it. Neither do we. The story ends. So we're left to wonder. So the angel set into motion the end, that is, a countdown has begun to something we don't even know. It's ticking. We don't know where it's ticking down to. So let's let's wonder a little bit. Do you remember? Do you remember Antiochus Epiphanes? You remember he took the troops in, ransacked the Holy of Holies, the temple, the Zeus, the pig. And that's going to be repeated again by someone called the Antichrist. What's that going to look like? What, what do we know biblically about the Antichrist? Well, he's going to be popular with the people. Uh, he's going to appear to be good, but he's really going to be evil. But he looks good. And he's going to appear so good that even God's own people, even church folks, will talk about him in Sunday school as to how good he is. But he's really evil. 
He will initially be for Israel, but it's a ruse because he really hates Israel. And that will be revealed at the end. He's going to be deceptive. And he's going to do something that catapults him into the limelight. And he will be hailed as a hero. That's what we know about him. So who could it be? Well, where is God's temple today? If all of this is going to be reconstructed again of what Antiochus did, where is God's temple today? Uh, it's not there. Where was it? It was in Jerusalem. What's there now? Um, it's the Temple Mount. We go visit it whenever we're in Israel. What's on the Temple Mount? The Dome of the Rock, which is a mosque. Who's in control of the mosque? The Muslims. So, could the Dome of the Rock be the new Zeus and Pig incident? Could that be the abomination of desolation? Well, there are a lot of Bible scholars that say yes. Now, we don't know. We don't know for certain. R.A. Torrey, who was one of the most brilliant New Testament scholars we had. In fact, I used his textbook my first year in New Testament in, in uh, the ministry. He's passed away now, but he believes the Muslims are the Antichrist. There will be a Muslim leader who rises up as the Antichrist. And one of the reasons he believes that's because of where the temple's located today, what's there. But here's another reason he believes it, and others do as well. In Muslim teaching, uh, the Shiite extremists have a theology, and in their theology, they believe that Muhammad set in place 12 imams or teachers. The 12th imam is one that's going to be hidden and will be appearing at the last moment, as Scripture said the Antichrist would. He's a man by the name of Muhammad al-Mahdi. He will be born, he will hide in caves, he will be hidden until the time appears. In fact, the last president of Iran said that his interview with Ann Curry of ABC News said that he felt like his job was to prepare for the coming of Muhammad al-Mahdi, who's the 12th imam. Whenever al-Mahdi appears, a lot of what he's going to do, according to the Muslim theology, corresponds with what Scripture teaches about the Antichrist. For example, there will be three and a half years of trouble and he will appear. That's what Muslims say. He will reign for seven years. He will, be, he will have the dignity of Moses, they say, the peace of, or rather the grace of Jesus and the patience of Job. And whenever he appears, Jesus is going to appear with them and the two of them will rule in peace. Jesus said, I share my glory with no one. 
So Muslims believe Muhammad al-Mahdi will rise and be good and will lead people in the right way. So a lot of Bible scholars believe al-Mahdi is the Antichrist. We don't know. Some still believe that it has nothing to do with Muslims at all. It come from Rome, and that's possible. But there are many that believe because of where the Dome of the Rock is, the temple, all that Daniel said will be a Muslim leader that arises. That will initially be hailed as good. How could he do that? How could he be for Israel? A peace treaty, some say, that gives the land back for them to rebuild the temple, which the Bible said would happen. And be hailed as good with a motive in mind. We don't know. But we do know this the words are sealed, and when they're unsealed, all of this will unfold. And the only ones saved are those that have been transformed. Well, it's interesting how the book closes. The book of Daniel closes with Daniel scratching his head going, I don't understand. And here was a man who through the entire book was known for understanding. You remember when I first started the series, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Nobody knows what it means. Go get Daniel. He knows. And he showed up and he knew. And all the way through the book, you have a Daniel who understands everything. And the book closes with him going, I understand. It ends. And then the last verse. Here's how the book closes. Verse 13. The angel appeared to Daniel and said, Daniel, Go your way. Don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. Relax. Be ready for when it happens. Shine as a bright light in the darkness. And one day, one day God will resurrect you. And you'll live with him forever. So Daniel... bookends so we're going to end like Daniel ends last thing I want to tell you is this go your way don't worry don't fret relax be ready make sure your name's in the book be ready Go, shine as lights in the darkness. Don't argue. Don't fight back. Don't post everything. Every time somebody posts something, fire back a post. Be wise. Darkness didn't happen. Shine. Shine as lights. One day, you'll be resurrected shine with him so go
Back in biblical days, whenever they had the Grecian games, the runners take a torch, light it at the altar of their God, and take off running. And they ran the entire race with the torch lit. If they made it back to the end with the torch still lit, the emperor gave them a prize. If they responded, if they came back and the torches extinguished, they didn't receive the prize. The goal is to run the race, the torch lit, until the end so you can receive the prize. Folks, hold up the lot of Jesus. Run the race. Run as one who will win. And you'll receive the prize. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we don't know how this is going to all play out. But we know the one who wins in the end. God, may every one of us know that our names are in the book. And God, may every one of us <clears throat> run as lights in the world, not denigrating in the world with them. Father, not firing back evil for evil, but overcoming evil with good. Lord, may we shine in darkness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.